We are up to Mishnah Dalid, Mishnah number four in Parkiavos, chapter one. Yosi ben Yoezer ish Tsreida, Vyose ben Yochanan ish Yerushalayim Kiblu Mehem. Yosi ben Yoezer and Yosi ben Yochanan, they are the next in the chain of Messiah, in the chain of transmission of the Oral Torah. And <clears throat> they received from the previous teachers Yosi ben Yoezer ish tsreida oimer and Yosi ben Yoezer said the following Yehi vesecho beis vad lachachamim your house should be a base vad a gathering home lachachamim for the chachamim for the wise Men, veheve misabek baafa raglehem, and you should be dovig. You should be misabek. You should cling. You should stick to the dust of their feet. Veheve shaysevatsama estivrehem, and you should drink with thirst their words. That is what Yosi ben Yoezer said. <clears throat> Today we're going to discuss this particular Mishnah on two levels. The first, just a very straightforward, before we do what we have said in the past, that <clears throat> I said any time that one learns Perkyavos or any Torah for that matter, any text, you want to try to analyze before going into the meaning and the depth of what's being said, first just analyze and understand literally what's being said. So we're going to do that second today. The first thing is just on a very straightforward approach, what is Yossi ben Yoezer saying? He said three things. He said that your house should be a gathering place for wise men. You should stick to the dust of their feet and drink their words thirstily. So on a very straightforward, simple <clears throat> understanding, Yossi ben Yoezer is saying that one should have a home that is a gathering place for wise people. Ultimately, and optimally, it should be a place where wise people come into your home. Now, simply, what's he what's he asking you to do? I mean, is he is Yosi ben Yoezer saying that one should go out and find out if a rabbi or a scholar is coming to the city and make sure that you're the host? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, on a very simple level, he is actually telling you to do that. But but he doesn't say that. He says it should be a base vad. It should be a gathering place. This should be the place where the wise people come to gather. Now, I mean, certainly you can host wise people in your home, but how do you how do you go about creating a situation where the wise men that this is where their meeting place is going to be? This is where they're going to have their weekly meetings. This is where they're going to come and and when they want to have their you know their their discussions, it's your home. That's not so simple. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so my Rebbe, Reb Noach, explained it as follows. He said that what Rosi ben Yoezer is telling you is that you have to create a situation where they want to come to your home. 
That's really what he's saying. I mean, to, to, to say on a simple level, he's saying to just create a situation where you're the host of wise people. <clears throat> I would say that that's secondary to what he's saying, because the first thing he says is that it should be a base vod for the wise men. How does one create a situation where the Chachamim will want to gather in your home? <clears throat> and Reb Noach said that there's only one way to do that. And that is, become the type of person that goes out of their way to fulfill the wants and the needs of the wise men. That if you are the type of person that is always doing what wise people need to be done, well then when they need something done, who are they going to call? They're going to call you. Now... That's also a very lofty aspiration. That's not so simple. How does one create that situation? But in the very start, Yossi ben Yoezer is saying that that should be one's goal. One's goal should be that my goal is that I want to fulfill, I want to do that which the wise men want to do. That should be my priority. Meaning become a wise on yourself? No, no, but that's going to be an outgrowth of this. What Yossi ben Yoezer is actually telling us here is what should our priorities in life be? What is it that we want to accomplish in this world? And Yossi ben Yoezer is saying that the first and foremost priority that we should have should be in line with the priorities of wise people. That that should be my priority. That I want to do that what the gedolim want to accomplish. I mean, it's a little bit, I would say, uh, fantastical to think that I'm going to create a situation that anytime gedolim come to Los Angeles, the first person they're going to think of is me. That's, that's a little fantastical to think of that. But... It is not fantastical to think that my priorities should be whatever their priorities are. So can I Wait. ask a question? Yeah, please. Oh, no, go ahead. No, let's go. Okay, this is great. Uh, the two of you debate. <laughs> no, it also makes total sense to me to say, if it really was that you want this one wise guy to say, oh, I want to go to Rabbi Denbo's house every time I go to L.A., what about all the other people? I'm saying, like, this is supposed right. to be for the common man, so it needs to be more general than that, not... Oh, just every time a wise person comes, he's going to want you. Otherwise. He's going to want to come to my home. Again, that's why I say it's fantastical. But but Yossi ben Yoezer is saying that that should, be, that should be what the essence of your home is. The essence of your home should be, this is the place where wise people would want to come. Okay. So, to have a meeting, they would want to come here. You know, Sahav deal. Yeah, one second. Mahavdil, I remember when I was growing up, whenever my grandmother would come to visit, you know, she should rest in peace, but we used to have a nickname for her. She was known as the White Glove Inspector. Because whenever she, that's what <laughs> that's we called her. That's your mom. That's what we used to call my grandmother. She should rest in peace. I loved her dearly. But when she would come to visit, we knew that the house had to not just be clean, it had to be immaculate. It had to be immaculate because she would notice if there was dust on the bookcase. Yeah. 
she would notice if there was dust behind things on the bookcase. That's why we called her the white glove inspector. It was as if, she never did this, but it was as if she walked in with a white glove and would run, run her fingers across mantelpieces and things and lift up stat, you know, sculptures and, and show us, no, it's not clean enough. Before she would come to the home, we had to create a home that she would want to come into. What Yossi Ben Yoezer is saying is, what kind of home is your home? Is your home the kind of home that chachamim, wise men, would want to come into if they wanted to have a meeting? What kind of home are you building? Well, what do we yeah, do? Which, yeah, yeah. So, 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 the, the, so you want to build a kind of home where um, it's a gathering place for wise men and you um, align your priority priorities with those of the good good but what are the priorities of the age like what's how do we choose do we say like oh i want my home to feel like a place of chesed or kindness or generosity what are the priorities what are the things that we all, all of them i mean like all, you, all the things like, that you mentioned specific do you do you, um what i'm trying to say yeah you're asking a very complicated and complex Sorry. question Sorry. no 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 it's a valid it's a valid question it's a very valid question but it's a very complicated and complex question because obviously if yosi ben yoezer if we're going to take yosi ben yoezer at face value then and we're going to say that our priorities should be the priorities of the wise men and we want to know well what are what is it that they want accomplished yeah. i want to be i want to be involved in whatever their goals are i want to be involved in that because that's how i'm going to create my home that well certainly all of the natural ones there's going to be their priorities as well. Their priorities are going to be chesed. Their priorities are going to be tzedakah. Their priorities are going to be things of that nature. But they're also going to be priorities of the time. Yes. And Yossi Ben Yoezer is telling us that we should be engaged in that as well. We that should mission, in that mission in whatever the whatever the priorities of the time are. There are priorities of our generation that were not necessarily priorities ten generations okay. ago, and we should, if we're not actively engaged in it, we should certainly be aware of it. Yeah. We should certainly be aware of, for example, a major challenge of our generation is is the plight of the singles. I mean, it's it's a it is a it's a it's a huge challenge in the observing community now. Mm-hmm. Singles are getting older, and and there is this great challenge. I agree uh, with Ora on that, though. It kind of says if if we're interpreting it as what kind of home are you trying to build, well, then the Mishnah doesn't really give much of an answer. Like in a lot of in right. the previous Mishnahs, we kept saying, okay, be this kind of person, and here's how you do it. Right. You know, these are and and this is just like okay. Okay, be this kind of person just it's kind of like a cyclical like it's a it's it's a circle not that yet doesn't hold that thought it's saying be, have that kind of home and listen to that like but then if they're not in your home well if you're not in your home there's certainly ways to find out i mean you can find out what gedolim want done you can you can i mean there's new there's magazines there's articles there's there's shiurim you can listen to what is it that the gedolim are saying what is it that they're saying is the challenge of our generation? What is it that they're saying that we should be involved in and we should be engaged in? That, that certainly, it's not, it's not as elusive as you're saying. There's certainly ways of going about figuring out what should my priorities be. But in the very start, Yossi Ben Yoezer is saying that that should at the very foundation of what is it that my priorities should be, my priorities should be in line with what the gedolim are saying are the priorities. And I should want to be engaged in that so much. I should want to be engaged in that so much that 
Should the Gadolim say, all right, we need to have a meeting? Obviously, it's fantastical to think because there are so many people, but it would not be absurd that my name would be on that list. But how is my name going to be on that list if I'm not engaged in it? If I'm not even involved in it, it's a fantasy. It's not fantastical. It's a fantasy to think that, oh, they're going to come to my home. Why? Because I want to be involved. Well, you want to be involved? So then be involved. <laughs> Don't want to be involved. Be involved. That's the very first thing that Yossi ben Yuezer is saying. Now, obviously, extrapolated from that would be, if you can host them in your home, by all means, definitely see to it that you host Gedolin. Find a way to have someone come to your home. Which leads to the second statement. Again, we are just going on a very straightforward, we are going to go a lot deeper, hopefully. The second thing that Yossi ben Yuezer says is, sit at the dust of their feet. There is a great danger in being involved in hosting great people. And there's a great danger of being engaged in things that great people are engaged in. And the danger is, is that I can start to believe that I am that. Because I'm around it and because I'm involved. An element of humility. You know, there's a saying, familiarity breeds contempt. Aside from the simple meaning of that, uh, that familiarity breeds contempt because, you know, we have this image of great people. But if we were around them a lot, we would start to notice that they're not perfect. They have flaws. Familiarity breeds contempt because we start to notice those flaws. But familiarity breeds contempt because the more we are around it, the more we can think that we are one of them. So be involved in greatness and be involved in bringing great people into your home, but Always, always hold on to that element of humility. Can I ask another Please. question? Please. Sorry. No, don't apologize. Okay. So, yeah. Why would they think that you wouldn't be um, humble? Because I mentioned, you know, you start hanging around with great people. You start to think that maybe you're, you're one of them. You, know, you, start, uh, you start thinking that, oh, I'm... I'm, I'm uh, that's not truly learning from them, though, because usually oh, the people wise, people are right. not humble, are, are, are humble. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. <laughs> wait, wait, what? <laughs> well, what was that? <clears throat> Correct. But you can start to mistake their humility with uh, just you know, just being normal. One of, the, I, one of the greatest moments of my life here in Los Angeles, one of the greatest experiences I had was... Rab Noach's last trip ever to Los Angeles. He came to Los Angeles and he was here for a day and a half. And when I found out that he was coming for a day and a half, I asked the rabbi who was in charge of bringing him out. He was coming out for a banquet. He was speaking at the Aish Los Angeles banquet. So I asked the rabbi in charge if someone was responsible for taking care of him who was responsible for his who was going to be his shamish who was going to be taking care of him while he was here and the rabbi was so overwhelmed with his banquet and and the schedules and things he said you know he hadn't even thought of that and i said well i i i I, I don't volunteer i'm doing it it was it wasn't a i was i'm I'm telling you i'm doing it and he said and he said thank you that's one last thing he had to think about and i was literally with him from the moment he landed until he went to sleep that night, aside from a half hour 
break where I, he sent me on an errand and I was gone for about 40 minutes, 40, 45 minutes. And I was there the next morning, probably an hour after he woke up and was with him until he had to be taken to the airport. The rabbi who brought him in said, that's mine. I get that. <laughs> and I said, okay, fine. I was with him for the rest of the time nonstop, and it was exhilarating to be with someone of that magnitude for that amount of time. And yet it was also uh, incredibly enlightening, incredibly invigorating. And at the same time, I saw him just being a human being. Mm -hmm. I had breakfast with him and just sitting there eating. And, you know, and he wasn't, wasn't sitting there and he was just eating. And one, and, and one can mistake the familiarity that you have at that moment with, oh, we're buddies. We're not buddies. There's a world, there's a universe between us. And that's the danger. Because their humility is such, trust me, you would never think that if you are with a monarch from the, you know, from the royal family of England. Because, and I don't know this firsthand, but my assumption is, is there is so much protocol and etiquette about royalty that if you were there, they would still be with all the protocols and all the etiquette. And I would say, because there is a, a certain element of a lack of humility, where with Gedolim, there's such an element of humility, you'd be sitting with them and they, there's no heirs. You can mistake that for being one of them. It's a danger. So Yosef ben Yoezer is saying that your priority should be so much so that you are aligned and everything you do should be aligned with what the gedolim of your generation are, in, are involved in. So much so that if it's possible to have them in your home, that you would have them in your home. But keep in mind an element of humility, which brings to the third thing, and I think that's what one of you had said, is drink their words thirstily, is appreciate that everything that they say and do is something to be learned from. You have this incredible opportunity of hosting these great people in your home. Use that opportunity. Learn from them. What Yossi ben Yoezer is saying is that when one is setting up their priorities for what kind of home they want to build, this is how you should have that priority. A very simple understanding. I'd like to go a lot deeper now. Because Yossi ben Yoezer did not just say, let your home be a place that Chachamim would want to come. He literally said, your home should be a base vad l'chachamim. What is a home? There's a, a very fascinating Gemara that for about a page and a half of the Gemara, the Talmud goes through an etymological exercise where it says, what is the essence of a word? And it brings a various list of words and breaks them down to the core meaning of what the word is. You know, there's a fascinating language, probably with the exception of English. Most languages, mm -hmm. you can really get a, a, a real flavor and a taste of what the essence of the word is by looking at the root of the word, 
And that's true not just in Hebrew. In Hebrew, you have a shoresh, you have a root of a word, and the root of the word has a meaning. And if you want to understand the essence of that concept, go to the root and define the root, and that will give you an insight. That's true about many languages, not just Hebrew. Many languages, Latin and Greek, for example, you can really understand what the word means by looking at the root of the word. And that's what this Gemara does. The Gemara takes a list of words and breaks them down. And one of the words that the Gemara analyzes is the word bayit, a home. And the Gemara says, what is a bayit? A bayit is an acronym of two words, ba yasiv, yasiv, yud taf, yud bait. What does that mean? In Aramaic, it means come sit, because a taf can be exchanged with a shin. In Aramaic. Oh, okay. So, come yosheve. Bo yoshev. Come and sit. That's what a home is. Come and sit. When a couple gets married, we give them a bracha. Aside from saying mazel tov, but very often you will hear people say, Shetizken lebayit neman b'Yisrael. You should merit to have a bayit neman b'Yisrael. You should merit to have a home that is a trustworthy home amongst the Jewish people. So you're basically telling people, you should build a home. That's, that's what your marriage should be. What are you telling this couple? You're telling this couple that they should just have a comfortable place that's a, that, that is neman b'Yisrael. There's something about the essence of what a home is, that that's really what a marriage is all about. And the Gemara is giving us an insight into what that is. Bo Yashiv, a place where you come and sit. And sit does not just mean a place for you to be able to sit and go to sleep with shelter. That's obviously a very crucial function of a home. But the concept of sit, a rabbinical school is known as a yeshiva, mm-hmm. a place of learning. It's known as a yeshiva. We sit. It's a peculiar name. Mm-hmm. Yeshiva. If you've ever gone into a yeshiva, it's not what you would picture if you thought, oh, that's a, that's a sitting room. Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. People have in their homes, you know, some people have mansions and they've got a bunch of rooms. They have a room. Oh, that's the sitting room. What's that? That's a place where you go and you sit, you have a cup of tea, you sit quietly. That is not what a yeshiva is. Not a place where you sit quietly. It's not a sitting room. I'm sure you've heard the phrase, but I have to be careful. I've, I've noticed in years, in recent years, that many phrases that I've grown up with have been phased out of society. So many expressions and colloquial sayings are just gone from society. I, I said the other day, my, my kids, my kids had no idea that running around with it like a chicken without your head was a phrase. Hmm. They had no idea. Uh, they were discussing, somehow it came up at the table, and one of my kids mentioned, that, did you know that if you cut the head off a chicken, it still runs around? It can still run around? And I said, yeah, that's why they say you're running around like a chicken without your head. And my kid says, who says that? <laughs> <laughs> You've never heard that? No. <laughs> okay. So... I'm sure, though, I, I hope that you've heard the phrase, let me sit on that for a while. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? It does not mean that you write it down on a piece of paper and stick it in your back pocket and sit on it, although that's sometimes <laughs> what it ends up being. 
That's sometimes what it ends up being. It, but what it means is, I want to think about that for a while. Let me dwell on that. Let me have time to process it. It's interesting that you said, let me dwell on that, and a dwelling is also another Dwelling word is home. another word for home. That's interesting. Dwelling is when I want to take an idea and I want to have the time to process that idea. When one wants to process an idea, there are really four steps that one should go through. And these are the four steps of literally settling the land to dwell when you want to create a settlement. Well, the first thing you're going to do is break the ground. You're going to dig the dirt. After you dig the dirt, you're going to plant. Is dig dirt number two or number one? No, number one, just okay. plowing, breaking the ground. Then you're going to plant. After you plant, then comes the harvest. And after the harvest, you eat. These are all the four steps? or this is Those are four okay. steps. These four steps are how we settle the land. You want to settle land. You want to plant. You, you, you know, the only way you can settle land is if you can make it livable. To make it livable, you have to be able to grow fruit, food. The way you grow food is to plow, plant, harvest, and ultimately eat. That's how one should approach wisdom. That's how you sit on something. When you sit on something, when you are saying is, I want to take the time to process this information so that I fully understand it and its ramifications. See, that's what these four steps are. These four steps are how you take information, process that information, and see what are the ramifications of that information. The first step is just breaking ground. Breaking ground is the first time you hear an idea. You're just breaking ground. What, what, is, what is being said? You're just, wait, let me make sure I understand what's being said. The second step is now planting. Planting is now I'm putting something into it. I'm adding to it. Do I understand not just what's being said, but what, what does it mean? Like that's how I said to you, first let's just translate the words, let's just make sure we understand what the words are saying. Well, what is now what do those words mean? What are the what what's what's the meaning behind what's being said? The third step is now harvest. Harvest is when you gather in the produce. Gathering in the produce means, okay, what are the implications? Based on what's being said, what is it telling me that I'm supposed to do? And I think you mentioned that in the previous Mishnahs. It says, okay, here's step one, step two, step three. That's now you're harvesting. You're saying what's being said. What are the implications of what's being said? What is it telling me I'm supposed to do? And finally, eat. Eat means now bring it into yourself. Okay, what am I going to do about it? Those are the four steps how one should process all information. Anytime you hear an idea, you should go through those four steps. That's what it means to dwell. That's what it means to sit, to settle something in. That's what a home is. A home is a place where you're supposed to build into yourself wisdom. The essence of a home is where you 
Bo Yashiv, where you come and sit. The essence of a home is where one should become wise. Now let's go back to what Yossi ben Yoezer is saying. Let your house, Yehi Beischa, your home, Yehi Beischa, your home, that home that you're trying to build, that home that you're trying to build, you know what that home should be? A base vad l'chachamim. It should be a place for gathering of wise people. Anyone that is in your home should be a person that their goal is to become wise. That is the purpose of your home. That means you. That means your spouse. That means your children. That means anyone that comes into your home, your guests, not just host wise people. No, the very essence of my home is this is where we are going to become wise. Yeah. So, um, could your your ho- like could you see your home and you, your doesn't have to be like your home. No. Can it be like you like your you. essence? Your, your home, home is only you going can... your home is only going to be if it's you. Yeah, so if you let's say your your um your home isn't let's say you're not married with a family and, and you still live somewhere. Yeah, but and that and that and wherever you live is going to be an expression you, of you. Could base does it buy it could that also be like your yourself, your who you who you, what I'm trying to say can who you are be that gathering spe- place for there's a there's, a, like there is a colloquial people. saying that I'm sure is still around. I hope it still is. Home is where the heart, the heart is. is. Oh, yeah. Of course we're talking about you. We're not talking about the structure. The structure is only going to be a manifestation of who you are. What Yossi ben Yoezer is saying that your home, now if you're not married, you're single, you still have a home. That home should be an expression of who you are. No, I'm, I'm thinking more metaphorically, like could you, um, I think, I, but you I, conduct yourself? I think, it's, like, I think we're saying one and the same thing. thing. Yeah, okay. that, that, that he's speaking about the home, but that is only going to be true if what you're saying is true. You cannot build a home that's not you. So I would say also that then the whole interpretation of this, make it a place that you want wise people to come to, it's more like this is your That's home. right. Yes. The physical yes. That's right. Be the kind of person that wise people would want to be around. That's right. Yes. Versus, yeah. That's yes. What, that's that, what like I that. was thinking. That's exactly what he's saying. Okay. Now, and, and the home that you're building, what you have in the home, it should be an expression of you. And it's only going to be. Don't. But but by the way, Yossi Ben Yoezer is is is. I would add to it and say that it should still be the physical manifestation as well. Don't just limit it and relegate it to what's in here, because then it's not going. You know. That's like where it starts. That's where it starts. And then. It but it has to extend outward. outward. Right. You know, one of the, those of you who are married and have children, those of you who aren't, it's never too early to prepare. The one thing you cannot give your children, you cannot, uh, trust me, as a parent, as a child, as someone who's been taught and seen in multiple instances, you cannot teach your children a passion. And you cannot give your children a passion. If you are passionate about something, there is absolutely no guarantee that your children will be passionate about that. There is only one guarantee, though. 
that whatever is in the home will have an unbelievable impact on your children. Mm. Whatever is in that home, both good and bad, will have an impact on the child. And when they are adults, just as we are all adults, that which we have an emotional connection to is that which we had an emotional connection to when we were children. And that which we have a nostalgic yearning for is that which we enjoyed growing up. And that which we despised growing up, we have an aversion to. So while Yossi ben Yoezer is saying that, yes, the essence of your home should be, the goal of your home should be a base vad l'chachamim. The goal of my home should be, I want to be a wise person. And my home is the vehicle for that. That should, of course, be what is in your heart and in your mind. And it should be the reverse in order of priority. But... <clears throat> it should also be manifested in the actual home. If your goal in your heart is that you want to become a wise person, then make sure that that is expressed in your home. Make sure that that's expressed in what you bring into your home. Make sure that's expressed in what you have displayed in your home. Make sure that's expressed in what you speak about in your home. Make sure that's expressed in everything about your home. When you're home, when you're out of the home, everything. It should be encompassing. Which leads us to number two of what Yossi ben Yuezer said. He didn't just say have humility. He didn't just say that make sure that you understand that you are not on the same plane as the Chachamim. He said something very specific. He said... And now we're going to analyze this literally. What did he just say literally? First word, which means stick to. Doesn't it mean struggle? Right, I also thought of that. Yaakov with the angel. Right. Yaakov struggled with the angel. Yes, that is correct. But it means you're, you're, you're like... The struggle there is because they were intertwined. Right. So it doesn't... Oh, okay. So the first thing is, stick to. Well, then what did he say? Afar raglehem. Basically, that's as high as you get a big head. Well, no, I, don't, I, don't want, I, don't want, I don't want meanings yet. Yeah. I, let's just... And, and that goes back to what he was first saying. Now I want to say that... that uh, let's go back to what he's second saying stick to the dust of their feet. So let's just analyze literally. What is dust? What is afar? It's physical. It's what, hap- it's what happens to your shoes when you're outside. What happens to your shoes? What do you mean? Like but I want literally. Right. Literally. Tell me what dust is. It's like the, the lowest of the lowest. It's the lowest of the low. Dust, dirt. It's, it's literally the lowest of the low, but not just any dirt. The dirt that's on your feet. It's the dirt that you step on. It's not just dirt. It's the dirt that you step on. <laughs> what Yosef ben Yoezer says is, I want you to stick to the dirt under their feet. The dirt that has settled on their feet. The dirt that has settled on their shoes. What in the world is he talking about? This is not humility here. No. I mentioned before my grandmother, she should rest in peace. We called her the white glove inspector, and I said, you know, that it comes with the dust. 
with the dust, with the, with the white glove, looking at the dust. Now, what is the connotation there? You know, when you clean a house, you put everything away, you put, make sure there's nothing out, you make sure all the things are put where they belong, you make sure everything looks neat and tidy. How many people lift up a picture, a picture frame to dust underneath it? <laughs> Sure, if you have the luxury to have a cleaning, a cleaning lady, lady yes. who has already done everything else because she's a live-in and she has extra time to do that which most people would think is extra, extra, not just extra, unnecessary. unnecessary. See, that's the word. Inconsequential. Dirt that is under your feet is that which you deem inconsequential because you're stepping on it. When you're walking down the street and you see a gold ring, do you step on it? No, you don't step on it. When you're walking down the street and you see a worm, do you step on it? If you, you try not to. Oh, you wait, wait, wait. You try not to kill a worm. You try not to see it. Because yeah. you see, you see, you step over it. Unless you're, unless you're just, <laughs> you're cruel. I, uh, unless you're someone that is, it's callous. It's not cruel. It's callous. You just. But how many of us? How many of us are consciously looking on the ground to make sure we don't step on an ant. Mm. <laughs> now, if we see an ant farm, <laughs> we see an ant hill, we'll step over it. But an individual singular ant, how many of us are consciously watching to make sure we don't step on an ant? Yeah. Zero. Why? Because we deem it inconsequential. That's the dust under the feet. Yossi ben Yoezer is saying something, I believe, so profound and so crucial for our generation. And when I say our generation, I mean everyone today because we are impacted by the quote-unquote generation that is the up-and-coming generation. Every generation is impacted by them. Yossi ben Yoezer says, your home should be a home that the goal is wisdom. And when you seek wisdom, have a misabek ba'afaraglehem, you should cling to that which most people think is inconsequential. If you are serious about wisdom, then you will be serious about even those things that most people think are irrelevant when it comes to wisdom. In other words, does it matter the way we speak? Does it matter what words we use? Does it matter the way we sit? Does it matter the way we dress? Does it matter the way we eat? If you are serious about wisdom, then of course these things matter. But yet in a generation where people use language in such a, there's no word other than foul. And you will say something and people say, well, what difference does it make? What difference does it make? The difference is the difference between one who wants to be a wise person and one who does not. That's the profound difference. Wisdom is all-encompassing. All-encompassing. Even those things which people think are totally inconsequential. The way you look at a person, the way you smile at a person, the way you speak to a person, these things are all profoundly important when it comes to wanting to be wise. You really want to be wise? When someone is passionate about anything, 
Do you know what they notice more than anyone else? The minutia details. If someone is passionate about music, they will notice the slightest chord being ever so off key. Whereas someone else, it just sounds nice. Someone who cares about sports, they will notice if the ball is a millimeter off the plate and they will become infuriated if the umpire gets it wrong. Because these things matter when you care. Well, if you care about wisdom, well, then you will care about every minutiae detail of wisdom. And to really understand this, we have to then say, well, what is wisdom? What is wisdom? Just like everything else, we need definitions. We need a definition for wisdom. Wisdom is not just knowledge. You could be knowledgeable about many, many things. If someone was incredibly knowledgeable about stamps, they are the world's expert on stamp collecting, would you call them wise? They are more knowledgeable than anyone else alive. I don't know if you would call them wise. Like we said, the first class, what makes somebody a good communicator? It's not just pointing out what's going on. It's not so then what is wisdom? It's how you apply the knowledge. So this person applies his knowledge of stamps. He's made all the right investments. He now has stamps that are worth millions of dollars because he's applied his knowledge of stamps. You're right. Application is going to be a necessary part of wisdom, but just application of knowledge is not wisdom. Something that relates, you could just look up on Google. Like if you could just Google it, that's not Okay. Knowledge. That's not wisdom. I know that that's not really... Fine. <laughs> a, a physician that you go to because you've got an ache, a pain, and you've done all the Googling you can do, <laughs> and you can't seem to figure out what in the world this pain is, and he sits there or she sits there and analyzes it and asks you a bunch of questions and says, oh, okay, and tells you this is what you've got and prescribes the cure and you are cured, would you call him wise? Wisdom yeah. is about, um, to be wise, I think it's about having like a deeper understanding of who our humanity, who we wow. are. And like, so close. Like, um, that's, that's knowledge, the definition of knowledge is a body of information about any given subject. That's the definition of knowledge. A, a body of information that one possesses about any given subject. Wisdom is a very specific, particular category of knowledge. That's all wisdom is. Wisdom is one who is knowledgeable about, as you said it so beautifully, humanity, but I would say more specifically, wisdom is being knowledge, wisdom is knowledge of life mm. and all of the relationships therein. That is what wisdom is. And a wise person is going to be one who is knowledgeable about life and all of the relationships therein. And the only way one can be knowledgeable about life and the relationships therein is if one does have the ability to apply the information. Information would not just be knowledge now. It would also be the ability to apply that information.
that would be a prerequisite of the knowledge. So would you call wisdom chachma or dad? Right, that's chachma. a good question. Chachma. And dad would be... Well, dad would be the knowledge, but the knowledge would be a prerequisite of the knowledge would be the ability to apply it. The chachma, well, chachma, there's chachma, bina, and dat. Right. We always do Chachma, bina, and dat, without getting into a particular group of Judaism that claims ownership over those three things, chachma, bina, and dat are three branches of the same thing. They are different aspects of them. So therefore, wisdom would require all three. Wisdom specifically is going to be Chachma, but one cannot truly be wise without Chachma, Bina, and Dat. I, I know that that is somewhat uh, tricky, but let, let me very quickly go through. Chachma, Bina, and Dat, going through the explanations of what they are, well, starting with the very first one, you have dat mentioned first in the Torah. You have the Eitzadat, mm-hmm. the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Well, the tree of knowledge of good and evil is, if you understand the story of Adam and Chava, which we don't have time right now to go through, but you can see very clearly in the story that dat is an experiential understanding combined with informational understanding. Right. The first time the word dot is used in a human, um, con- well, in a human connection, in a human connection is when Adam knew Chava. He was intimate with her. He had sexual relations with her. It was an experience. So dot is a experiential understanding combined with an informational understanding. The two must go hand in hand. Bina, on the other hand, Bina, that comes from the word to be boneh. Comes from the the Sharish is building. Bina is now how does that understanding extrapolate? Where does it lead one to? What are the ramifications of that understanding? It's where I take the information and I have the ability to add on to it. That's what Bina is. Where I have the ability to use my own understanding, my own experiences, to add on to my understanding. It's not the experience of that itself. You know, it's not, uh, just to give you very simplistic examples here. Fire is hot. There's information. I truly do not understand that until I have das of it. What's das? Das will be now I walk up to a fire and I put my hand out. I don't have to touch the fire. (laughs) That would be foolish experience. But by putting my hand close to it, I can feel the warmth. That is now experiential. Now I really know fire is hot. Until I have that, I don't know it. It's just, it's theoretical. Bina. Bina is now where I can take all of my worldly experiences outside of fire, everything else. 
And I can now say, oh, okay, fire is hot. That means stay away from fire. There are things in this world that I should stay away from. Okay, and now I can extrapolate that. That's my own, that's using what I know to add to it. And that's why, by the way, that women, we say women have a bina yaseira because women are much more in touch with that aspect. Women are much more in touch with the inner mechanics of themselves. So Bina would be like using fire for cooking. Right? <laughs> like applying it for something. Applying it outside of itself. <laughs> oh, maybe it's Bina. Chachma, Chachma on the other hand, Chachma is an abstract analysis. Chachma is if you take the word chachma, it is combi- comprised of two words, koach ma. Chachma is comprised of the two words koach ma. Koach ma meaning what is the strength? What is the force behind this? Why is fire hot? What makes fire hot? Why is it that fire should be hot? It's, it's a deeper analysis of the meaning behind fire being hot. Now, none of that has to do with life, but that I just wanted to make sure that we, I wanted to give a simple understanding because if we start giving life examples, that will take us down a rabbit's hole. Mm-hmm. So now, if we go back to Yossi ben Yoezer, if you understand that wisdom is the understanding of life and all the relationships therein, is there anything that is inconsequential about life? I don't believe so. I don't think there's anything inconsequential about life. Because if one thinks that there are things that are inconsequential about life, then one is not taking life seriously. Life is a hobby for that person. Life is something that they are occasionally engaged in. It is not all-encompassing. And life is all-encompassing. And the final statement of Yosef ben Yoezer v'hazve shoseh as direhem b'tzama. Drink their words thirstily. Tell me, what is the definition of thirsty? Anyone who has children over the age of five will know that colloquially we have to be careful with the way we use words. My children tell me all the time that they are starving. I am willing to guarantee that there is no one at this table unless you've got a story that I am just be my jaw would drop hearing because that would be a story worth telling I guarantee no one at this table has ever experienced starving <laughs> even on Yom Kippur <laughs> So what does it mean to be thirsty? And I guarantee you've you've been thirsty before. Mm -hmm. By the way, I guarantee you've experienced hunger, but never starving. So tell me, what is hunger? What is thirsty? They're one and the same, just for different things. Pain of lack. Pain of lack, very close. Try and say it again. No, you were so close. Whoa, what? You you, you started wrong, but you finished well. Need. Thirst is when your body needs fluid. Period. That's the definition of thirst. Your body needs fluid. 
You're hungry, your body needs nutrients. You're starving, you're about to die. <laughs> That's what starving means. Your body is so depleted from nutrients that you are on the verge of death. Stop using <laughs> <laughs> I'm hungry. I'm really hungry. I'm extremely hungry. I'm starving. Wow, I don't notice your stomach being bloated because it's starting to digest its own fluids. <laughs> I'm thirsty. My body needs fluid. I need to drink. Yosef ben Yoezer says, make sure when you drink their words, you're not just drinking their words. You're not just seeking wisdom. You're seeking it because you need it. You need it. Yossi ben Yoezer says three things that are really there to shape the priorities of what it is our life should be about. Your house should be a house of wisdom. Your house should be a place that its goal is wise people. That means my goal in life is not to be happy. My goal in life is not to be successful. What's my goal in life? To be wise. That's my goal. My goal in life is to be wise. And as you said so beautifully, that means it is all-encompassing. That's what my heart is involved in. That's what my words are engaged in. That is what my activities are surrounded by. My goal is wisdom. And therefore, everything I do should be with that goal in mind. And therefore, nothing is inconsequential. Nothing. There's no such thing as, well, it doesn't matter when I'm doing this the way I do it. It doesn't matter that I'm doing this. No. Even your free time, what you do with your free time, your quote-unquote downtime. Yes, people need downtime. But what is it that you do with your downtime? Is what you're doing with your downtime affecting your approach to wisdom? Are you engaged in things that are subliminally and not so subliminally putting messages into you that says wisdom is not important? Because we do that all the time. There's no such thing as inconsequential. If my goal is wisdom, then even the dust under the feet is important. What do I watch on YouTube? What do I talk about when I want to tell a joke? When I just want to schmooze and I just want to chit-chat? What is it that I chit-chat about? There's nothing wrong with it. Mm -hmm. But what's the topic? The way I eat. When the buffet opens on Shabbos morning and it's Kiddush time, how do I act? At the Kiddush, when, the, when, the, when they come out with the hors d'oeuvres and I'm talking to someone, but I see the, oh, oh, excuse me, you're, you're not important right now. <laughs> but there's three people that are there, but oh, I'm getting my arm in there. <laughs> wow, that was a wise person right there. Or not. And then ultimately, the only way that I will approach life this way, there's only one way that I will actually align myself is with this last statement of Reosi ben Yoezer. I need it. My life depends on it. I need it. I'm not going to die if I don't get it, but you know what I will become? Slowly callous. Slowly more shallow. Slowly it will dissolve until the point where I no longer care about it. And then I'll be starving. I'll be starving for wisdom and I won't even know it. Um, yeah. I like how it comes full circle because you said- Oh, I try and do that. You said, um, 
You should become the type of person who goes out of their way to fulfill the needs of wise men. That's yeah. how you bring them into right. your home. So you, you, your goal is to fill the needs of, of somebody else. And by doing that, your own essential needs, your thirst, are also are going to be satiated. That's right. So, That's right. And by the way, you will notice the more you do this, the more you will be surrounded by wise people. It's incredible. My wife and I were just in Toronto for a family simcha. And <clears throat> my niece got married. Thank you. And my wife pointed out something so fascinating that she said, isn't it amazing how like people always manage to find each other? Yes. You don't know them. You don't know them. But yet, we looked around, and I can't go into too many details because, again, I don't know, but you never know. But we looked around, and, and it was interesting because someone in our family who didn't know people, you know, outside the family there, but immediately managed to find someone that would be a perfect match for that person in a whole wedding. That's not so easy. No, like people. They manage to find each other. Opposites attract is a misnomer. Similarities attract. Mm -hmm. If you want wisdom, if your goal is wisdom, then wise people will find you. Going back to what Yossi Ben Yoezer said on a very superficial not superficial, but on a very simplistic approach, your home should be the home that wise people want to come into will be that. Now, whether they actually end up coming or not, that's irrelevant. But you will become a person that wise people want to be around because you're a person that is seeking wisdom. That should be the goal of everything you do. That should be the goal of the home you build. That should be the goal of the things you involve in, engage yourself in, because nothing is inconsequential. Because ultimately, that is what we need for life. That's Yossi Ben Yoezer.